people massively or vastly underestimate the power of going to a yoga class, a running club, um, you know, whatever it is, like role-playing, Dungeons and Dragons, it doesn't matter. Mm. Just finding people that you have, that you get on with and you have, um, you can have that connection, you can have that enjoyment, uh, Mm. taking the time to make that phone call to someone, an old friend to catch up with, meeting up for a coffee. It's very easy to overlook these things because life gets busy, but actually it has a massive, massive effect on our mental and physical health. Hello and welcome to this World Extreme Medicine podcast with me, your host, Deb Swan. Today, I'm joined by Simon Jeffries. Simon is an ex-Special Forces operator who left the SBS and joined the corporate world. This didn't work out for him and subsequently he became a mindset and performance coach and co-founded The Natural Edge. Simon, welcome. Um, I got it right this time. Um, I had a bit of a boo-boo on, <laughs> on the first round. Get my of name it. right. Oh, I got your name right Thank this time. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. Colin. <laughs> Um, yeah, thanks for joining us, Simon. Um, I'm really excited um, to speak to you today because I think um, we can, uh, the WEM community can learn a lot from you. Um, I think um, talking about building a useful mindset, as I call it, um, uh, uh, to, to help us through tough situations, I think is pertinent to our listeners because we have a whole variety of people from healthcare um, professionals, um military emergency services and humanitarians um listening to the podcast um so uh yeah i'm really excited to to speak to you today can we start with how you went from uk special forces to becoming a mindset and performance coach yeah that's a good place to start so in 2014 uh serving the military that was the career that I'd always wanted. So I'd always wanted to be in the military. I started the Royal Marines and then ended up in Special Forces. And I kind of got to the point where I'd done everything that I'd wanted to. And I was, I I wanted more control back over my life, I guess. You know, obviously you're very busy, you're away a lot. And because I kind of ticked all the boxes that I wanted to, I was looking to make that leap um, and, and go outside. And I also wanted to leave in my early 30s as opposed to my 40s to give them the opportunity to do something else. So I think I was it was also partly looking for a new challenge. And the following year, 2015, I left. Didn't really have an exact plan, so I kind of took the leap in the faith that I'd figure it out um, afterwards. My partner at the time, she got a job in London, and so I just figured, well, I'll, you know, I'll give give the London kind of job scene a go. I ended up getting a job in a management consultancy and it it was a good job. It was a good company, good office. And it was kind of one of those scenarios where everything looks good on the outside, you know, good job working in London. But it was for the first time in my life, I started, you know, I really felt the effect of stress. Um, I, things like, procrastinating uh, rather than being focused, finding it hard to switch off, lacked consistency uh, in my fitness and training, something I'd never had before. Basically, I kind of ended up feeling a bit of a shadow of myself. And I think a huge part of that was this kind of friction between my old identity, who I saw myself as in the military, and then transporting that into the civilian world. And 
you know, the crazy thing of feeling more stressed on a morning commute on the tube than being in Afghanistan, um, mm. which seems kind of crazy on when you look at it like that. But actually, if you mm. break it down, and it's something I hear quite a lot from people who are in blue light services or, you know, humanitarian going to war zones and stuff, that they feel more comfortable in crisis than they do in daily mm. life. Mm. And there can be a good reason for that. And I think a lot of it comes down to actually when you look at, let's take tours, you know, military tours in, in, in Afghan, for example, it's life simplified. You, you don't have any of the day-to-day stresses and worries that you do in normal life. You've got one job to do. You're surrounded by a good social group, by your friends. Um, you have periods of short, sharp, acute stress. And then outside of that, you're kind of on your downtime, you're relaxing, you're training, you're working out. And you, like I said, you're having a laugh, you, you're with your mates. Whereas in daily life, it's really easy to fall into basically getting constantly triggered by low level stresses all the time, commute, traffic, bills, relationship programs, the, the kind of the little bits of, of life that can constantly trigger us. And if you're not doing anything to offset that, then it has a massive effect on our bodies. And it all really comes down to constantly triggering your um, fight or flight, your sympathetic pathways in your autonomic nervous system. Um, so essentially, I was, I was going through this period where things just didn't feel right. And so I knew I needed to make a change. And that led to the path of wanting to start a business. Um, I essentially, and this can kind of be linked back in later, I really looked at what I wanted to do. So there's a quote that says, you don't stumble upon significance. And the point of that is, it's not just going to happen for you. Like if, if you feel like you were lacking purpose or something is not right, things won't change without actively practicing it. And this is kind of all around our ethos now in that mindset is a skill set. And so I, I really started asking myself those questions and looking for honest answers of, you know, what did I want to do? How do I want my life to look? What jobs did I want to do? And I just carried a notebook around and I was just constantly scribbling ideas and looking at options and trying not to limit myself. It's very easy to let your logical brain jump in and go, oh, that's impossible. You can never do that Mm. because of X, Y, and Z. Whereas Mm. just allowing yourself the freedom to really explore and have a look because there's usually always a way, even if it's not that direct, obvious path, maybe it's a kind of segue or a zigzag. And so through that process, I came to the conclusion, and I can remember now, it was like an epiphany moment. I was on the bus in in the way way into work, and I was reading Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week, and it it was online business. I was like, yes, that really taps into my values of freedom. I really wanted something where I could work wherever, um, wherever I was. So if I wanted to be abroad and still work and I also wanted something that was scalable. So build something that wasn't directly time for money, something that I could grow. And that started the path to, to, to kind of business. I teamed up with John who I'd been in the military with and cue a kind of seven year journey to now those first two years, it was trying lots of, you know, we tried all sorts of ideas and the main one within that was a bit of software um, that we tried to develop. Basically, it was a spectacular failure. We spent all of our cash and savings, so everything I saved from the military, that was all spent, you know, hours and hours wasted. 
it kind of culminated. So I'd, I'd stayed in London at this point, and this was my side hustle. So I was working in the mornings. You know, I'd get up at 5 a.m., go to the office, spend two hours working on it. I'd work on my lunch break, and then I'd finish and work on it in the evenings. Cue it failing. Um, and that led to it coincided with my relationship breaking up, my five-year relationship ending. And so I actually ended up moving back home to my parents. So mid-30s, broke living back at home john actually moved in as well so it was kind of like stepbrothers two mid-30s guys <laughs> broke living back at my parents we shared a car we shared a ford focus 2001 Ford focus that cost i think it was like 400 quid wasn't and that the millennium we earning, focus yeah the millennium focus that was it like because <laughs> we were both single at that time if we wanted to go on dates we'd try and organize them to be at the same time and place so we could share the car <laughs> to get there um so yeah, it was kind of really back to square one, but it was at that point that we just said, let's just do something we actually care about. Because what we realized is we said, okay, let's start a business. And we chased trying to make money. We're like, oh yeah, you know, we'll start this and, and, and make loads of cash. Invariably, it completely failed and that didn't happen at all. Mm. And so we said, look, let's just, let's just focus on our passion. What do we care about? And that for us is, was always health, um, kind of fitness, mindset, performance, those areas. And that's when the natural edge started. And we're like, let, let's just do something, take the knowledge that we have and something we're interested in and help people. And from there, it's been a five-year journey. Again, lots of ups and downs, you know, big roller coaster to where we are now. And through that, we've really, over time, we've become more and more focused on the mindset component because what we've seen through coaching and working with a lot of people is that once you make changes there, if you can really unlock the mindset piece, that unlocks everything else. You know, everything we do, every thought we have, every emotion we feel, every action we take is driven by our mindset. So if you can get that right, it makes all the other areas um, mm. fall into place essentially. Mm. And I kind of talking about things falling into place. <clears throat> if I was to summarize that complete journey from military to London, um, to being broke, to starting the natural edge, it's, it's a good summary of it doesn't matter what the external circumstances are. If your mindset is right, you can still find that happiness and satisfaction. So in the military, you know, on the face of it, lots of hard, uncomfortable things. However, it was easy because it completely aligned with who I was. And I see the same in, you know, say for athletes who do very hard stuff, um, you know, people who do blue light, in the blue light services, people who are in humanitarian work and go to war zones. What to other people looks very, very hard. And obviously it is hard and testing, but to those people, they can do it and it, it's almost not a hardship because it aligns with who they are. It, it, it taps into their identity of who they are and what they're doing. Um, when I moved to London, on the face of it, things should have been easier. You know, well-paid job, living in the city. But actually, I wasn't happy or satisfied or fulfilled because I was living in a way that completely was at odds with me and my values and my identity. Q fast forwarding to being broke, living back at home, you know, mid thirties when all of your friends are buying houses and getting married on the face of it, it seems like a really 
bad situation. But again, I felt happiness and I was finding fulfillment because I'd aligned my values with what I was doing, which was the natural edge and building that. And so it's a very sort of important overall point that when you, when your mindset is right, when you particularly align your identity, which is really what we mean when we talk about mindset, with the actions you're taking, the more happiness and satisfaction you will find in your life, regardless of the external circumstances. That's that really interesting. That story. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's that. That's interesting that you're perhaps the cumulative stress of being, even though it's a, a you're in a physically safe environment of an office and uh, you, on the whole safe city that your stress levels and how you were feeling seem to be uh, seem to be heightened compared to being in special forces where you get flash incidents of probably high stress high octane high octane moments that you seem to be able to deal with partly because yes that aligns with who you are but also is that because you are all in that same situation you're all you know, your work buddies, your colleagues all together, you've gone through the same experience of selection, you've gone through the same experience of your training and where you are. Does that also help with that, that like the, the different stress levels in a dangerous flash incident compared to perhaps being working in an office, you don't have much in common with the people you're working with and it's, yeah, it doesn't it align with your true values? It helps in the sense of community. So it helps because having strong social bonds makes a huge difference to our experience in life. So if you ask anyone, and I'm sure it's the same for people, again, who work in intense uh, environments with people who are attracted to that same line of work, whether that's fire, mm. police, ambulance, humanitarian, whatever it is, mm. it's same in the military is you get people that you just connect with very strongly. When you ask anyone what they miss about the military, it's always the pe The first thing that anyone ever says is the people, you know, mm. the people that they've been around. And that's definitely true for myself because it's very hard to recreate it outside of those environments. But that brings to the wider point. So it's the, the alignment with what you do is very important. But when you talk about stress and why we feel it more in daily life, there's something, there's also the wider piece of us acting counter to what makes us feel good in the modern environment. So when you're in those places, like say Afghan, without doing it, without, it's, it's not an intentional thing, it just happens as a byproduct, but you, you know, you're moving a lot, you're not sat down staring at a desk all day, um, you're getting lots of natural light you're doing a lot of the things you're around friends, you're laughing a lot. You've got those strong social bonds. So you're doing a lot of the things that evolutionary makes us feel good. Mm. And it's very mm. easy in the modern world to fall into the trap of not doing that. You know, a classic day looks something like you wake up, you look straight at your phone, you're scrolling through email, social media, whatever it is, sat in a car, commuting to work or busy commute into an office, sat down looking at a screen all day, eating easily available processed food, and then you're coming home um, and basically 
sitting down on the couch, watching more screens, and then it's time for bed. You know, throwing on top of that worries about bills or like all these micro stresses. And if we're not dealing with them right, it has a cumulative effect. Mm. But actually, it's you can make very simple changes without, you know, we don't have to go back to living in, cave, in caves, but we can make very simple changes that have a big, make a big difference to us. So how we start and end the day, the uh, movement that we get in, like food choices, creating those social bonds, just simple, th- people massively or vastly underestimate the power of going to a yoga class, a running club, um, you know, whatever it is, like role-playing, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, it doesn't matter, mm. just finding people that you have, that you get on with and you have, um, you can have that connection, you can have that enjoyment, uh, mm. taking the time to make that phone call to someone, an old friend to catch up with, meeting up for a coffee, it's very easy to overlook these things because life gets busy, but actually it has a massive, massive effect on our mental and physical health. Mm. And so, yeah, we can take uh, and we can dig into there's so many that people can take. And it, it's a huge part of what we teach in the coaching that we do. We take a dual approach. On the one hand, we look at mindset. So we really dig into what's going on beneath the surface because that is what drives us we always think that we're consciously deciding what we do each day most of the time Mm. it's not we're driven by a subconscious belief system and then we Mm. also look at simple daily habits and we've seen it's the combination of those together and gradually making changes that makes the big difference because if you are if you don't have the external habits right if you're in a state of stress it's going to be very hard to find the mental clarity to make the changes internally that will have a positive effect conversely once you make the positive changes internally it's easier to put the external habits in place so if you gradually layer them together it really has quite a dramatic impact for people do you think um it's probably i don't know if this is a question that that is a right or wrong answer do you think that some some people are naturally have the the right mindset for them that that like resilience or being able to just deal with day-to-day stresses is innate for some people or do we all learn through trial and error and how what life throws at us how how to perhaps realign and not know that we're realigning our, our mindset i think it's it's the whole nature nurture there is yeah um, we've all got the you know there's no getting away from the fact that we've all got base personality traits and we are all different but i would say for 99 percent of people it's the the work we do on ourselves whether physically or mentally that makes the biggest difference in the results that we get Mm. You know, if I take myself as an example, in special in, in the military, special forces, whatever, I had a strong mindset, but that was in the narrow definition of that specific role and environment. Okay. When I went to London, it didn't apply. You know, if I look at relationships, for example, I realized through doing my own sort of mindset work and journey that you know, I had a very growth mindset when it came to work and accepting challenge and failure in relationships. I had a very fixed mindset. It was kind of like, this is who I am. 
and you know that's it take it or leave it as opposed to realizing that ah oh, actually if i have uncomfortable conversations and learn to become comfortable doing that and talk about things or oh, surprise surprise things improve you know and a relationship <laughs> yeah. is not this it's not this kind of like either it's perfect or it's not it's a mm. work in progress like anything mm. else and that's how i treated work i needed to learn how to do that with other aspects of my life and you see this all the time you know you can have guys in the military or the successful athlete or someone who's you know nailing it in business ceo whatever but the rest of their lives falling apart they've got crap relationships um their health is crap you know it, it just because you've got it in one sphere it doesn't apply across the board the only way mm. it generally does apply across the board is if you cultivate it so kind of what you said there you know resilience really is your ability to deal with fear and uncertainty and still be able to take positive action even when you don't feel like it, even when things are bad. Um, people always talk about, they talk about resilience as being, they're like, well, I got through this, so I must be resilient. That's not yeah. resilience to me. Like, yeah. Humans are built for survival. Surviving is not the same as resilience. Like anyone, mm. humans will just, you just get through it because we're humans. We're, it's built into us to survive. So just because you got through something difficult doesn't necessarily mean you're resilient. It's how did you... What was your attitude during it? How did you come through it? Did you come through it like during that hardship? Were you still able to take positive action, maintain forward momentum and actually come out of it better off than worse off? And so much of that is down to our perspective and attitude. For it, like growth and fixed mindset is kind of at the fore, um, at the core of this. And the, the kind of seminal work was done by, and her name's just escaped me, but I have got the book, oh, Carol Dweck, that's her name, Carol Dweck. And so a very easy way to explain what growth, a growth or a fixed mindset is. Um, one of the big studies they did around it, took a group of kids and asked them to do puzzles. And the one group they praised for the result that they got. So when they completed a puzzle, they were praised for being clever, for being intelligent, you know, well done. You must be very smart to have done that. And then the other group, they praised them for the effort. So, oh, you know, you tried really hard, look how much effort you put in, that's brilliant. And then they gave them progressively harder puzzles. What they saw was the group that were praised for intelligence gave up far, far quicker. And that's because to them, two things, they, they saw it in two ways. One, if you've hit your perceived level of intelligence, then what's the point in carrying on because it's just wasted effort. And also if you link results with your self-worth, then you don't want to fail because that is going to take away that praise. Mm. It's, going to, it's going to chip away mm. your self-worth. Yeah. Whereas if you've been praised by effort, when you come up against challenges, well, it doesn't matter what result you get. It's all about how much effort you put into it. And interestingly, when they got the kids to write to another school and explain the experiment, the kids with the fixed mindset who had been praised for that intelligence were far more likely to lie about how well they'd done because, again, it was their self-worth. And so, A, it's an interesting, you know, one of how we actually speak to kids and what we say to them and how we praise things. But, you know, we see it all the time with adults, and, and I think society is very bad at it as well. We have put failure as something that's bad, and mm. it's very easy for people to see success and failure as two separate paths. So you either get one or the other. 
when the fact is they're com- they're inseparable. You cannot have success without failure because everything in life is a process. It's an iteration. You don't go from zero to perfect. You don't go from civilian to special forces. You don't go from joining a business to CEO like a year later. It just doesn't happen. Everything is trial and error and process. It, it, it's just process. Um, we have a philosophy at the natural edge which is moving average and what that means is you do not need perfection to make process uh, progress all you need is a consistent moving average so you don't need to do five perfect workouts if you can't do one one day because something happens at work well maybe i just do 20 minutes maybe i'll go for a 10 minute walk well that's still adding to my moving average and as long as i always keep that moving average just edging into the positive I'll make progress going forwards. Mm. And so when we come up against challenges and difficulty, how we perceive it, whether we see it as just something that we need to work through and there'll be trial and error, or whether we see it as a pass or fail test and something as negative has a massive impact on our mindset um, and our resilience, basically. That's really useful to know because I I was going to ask you about, and you've already covered it really, like those... those, um, unexpected unpredictable challenging situations that can that, that can come up on you in a flash that yes i suppose you said about we've got this innate survival instinct and you just get through it, through it by any means but actually it's is it how you look back on it and how it affects you in the future is is that all part of your your mindset it- to, to deal with that it's both. I suppose I'm talking so about how... that, like trauma, PTSD, that you know the accumulative effects of perhaps one particular incident that may have triggered something, or you know you see lots of stressful events over over years. So if you you know you work for the ambulance service or fire and rescue service, and you're seeing lots and lots of horrible things throughout your career, and then one tiny teeny little thing will just tip you over the edge. Are, are they two separate things, or is this like having a a mindset that aligns to you would help you through that situation better. I don't know if I'm making it's, sense. So, yeah, no, it does make sense. Like I will say that, you know, I am by no means an expert. You know, the coaching that we do, we don't deal in trauma. It's very specific mm. areas. I guess yeah, we, yeah. we deal in mindset in general. But to the point you asked there is, whether it's retrospectively or actively mm. at the time, it's a combination mm. of both. So actively at the time, how you're viewing a situation is going to have a massive impact. You know, if I, one of the last jobs I was doing in the military I was working in Kabul, very reactive job, um, arresting, like trying to tracking, arresting high profile targets. We'd just, we'd roll out the doors as soon as a, a target pinged up. So we'd have very little notice. I'd basically work up a plan. I'd get mapping up on an iPad in the vehicle on the way to the job and just come up with a rough plan. So there's lots of things that are out of your control. And when that's happening, if you slip into worrying about everything that can go wrong and let that overwhelm sort of overtake you a you'll end up making bad decisions and or worse no decision at all so becoming indecisive and that almost becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and then making it more likely for a negative outcome to occur whereas if you can stay calm and in control 
it's far more likely you'll get the outcome you want. You basically have to, and this is a very simple mindset tactic. It's, it's just looking, so you can use um, a strategy called CIA. As essentially, it's just <clears throat> breaking it down into three parts. So when a situation occurs, just ask yourself, what can I control here? What can I influence and what must I accept? You know, on the battlefield, there's so many things out of your control. You can't control what the enemy are going to do. You can't control um, the terrain you end up in. You mm-hmm. can't control malfunctions with comms or radios or weapons going wrong or vehicles breaking down. Mm. Essentially, all you can control is yourself, your attitude, how you're perceiving the situation, the actions that you take. And it's taking the information you have at that time and making the best decisions possible to get you out of it. Um, and it's it's a continual process, uh, like another strategy, OODA loop, um, which was, I think it was an American general that came up with it. But essentially, it's observe, um, observe, orient, orientate, decide and act. Um, so you observe what's going on, taking the information, orientate yourself to the situation where are you in relation to whatever's happening decide on a course of action and then take that action and then straight away you go back to observe so it's like a continual loop it's a very simple one for people and this applies to daily life as much as it does into war zones or disaster areas or whatever mm-hmm. it is when you feel overwhelmed or stress coming on first of all take some deep breaths very simple skill that's massively overlooked. Breathing is your simplest pathway um, or, or simplest key to unlocking your autonomic nervous system pathways. So we have the sympathetic pathway, which is fight or flight, or we have the parasympathetic one, which is rest and digest. When we start getting overwhelmed, and most people don't consciously notice it, you start, your breathing becomes shallow. Mm. You, you kind of get sucked into a tunnel vision. Whereas if you just take two minutes of just deeply breathing in and out through your nose from your stomach as deeply and slowly as possible it immediately has a kind like it has an actual calming effect on the body and that gives you the mental space to just step back and just kind of take a pause and this is the difference between reacting and responding um in the military it is called a tactical pause um so when everything seems to be going out of control it's that ability for someone usually whoever's in charge to just step back take that strategic over you it's like right okay let's have a look at what's happening rather than constantly just reacting to things so take that breath step back and then just apply the cia just step back and, and literally ask yourself right what's in my control here what can i influence and what do i just have to accept um there's something as simple as that and being able to reframe the situation and how you're viewing it can have a massive effect. Mm. And then after it, retrospectively, to, to your other point, it, it's how you see that. And I guess mm. it comes down to that growth of fixed mindset. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you look look for the learning points? And of course, things things go wrong for all of us all the time, and it's good to acknowledge that. But it, do you look at it and go, okay, this didn't go right, but I did do this well, and going forward, this is what I'll do next time. Or do you look back at it and go, oh, God, I was terrible. I messed up this. I did this. This went wrong. Oh, it's just all awful. Like if you do that, then, of course, that's going to be internalized as something a negative, which will then have a knock-on effect for your self-belief going forwards and your confidence. You're basically reaffirming to your identity that you're no good. Um, and it's 
that will have an effect on when you then project forwards for future situations like that coming up, as opposed to looking for that growth mindset, accepting that things went wrong, but seeing where you can improve, taking those lessons in board and going, yeah, well, now I've learned that I've been through this. Great. Now, when it comes up again, I'll be even better. And so mm. you're going to be more confident going forward. But mm. it's, really, like, it's not mindset sometimes gets overcomplicated and it is don't get me wrong, psychology, neuroscience, et cetera, is very complicated. But for most people, very simple changes like that, taking a breath before reacting, reframing a situation, looking back and deciding to look at it with a fixed or growth mindset. It's really, really simple. But mm. the more consistently you do this stuff, that's how you build a strong and serving mindset. And it's this is where I believe it's not something you have or you don't have. It, you've got to treat it like a skill set. And this is what nobody does. And I guess it's our core message. Everybody knows that if or understands if you want to change the physical body, you can't just read a book or listen to a podcast. Mm. Like you have to actually go and exercise or yeah. change your diet, whatever it is. You have to take action. And yet with mindset, we do the exact opposite. We do mm. listen to a podcast or read a book. And then we somehow expect decades of neural pathways and behavior patterns to change. It's bonkers. Like it's never, ever going to happen. You need consistent, active process. And something as simple as remembering to take a breath and then applying CIA, CIA or reframing the situation. Imagine if you did that every single time a stressful situation came up as opposed to just be like, oh, God, everything's going wrong. I'm stressed. No one like the difference that would make to you overall is massive. And that's just one, that's, that's just one strategy. There's, there's mm. loads of them out there mm. um, it, and it doesn't make a huge difference. So really uh, we, to help ourselves and our mindset, we should be doing an exercises, mindset exercises every day, really like you would, if you were training for a marathon or, you know, training for like you said like if you want to get physically fit um physically strong lose a bit of weight you, you have to actually do these things rather than read some inspirational quotes about it um so what would be your your top three top three things to do every day that is easy, easily achievable for 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 anyone to do that that can help towards that that mindset Oh, that's a good question. Top three. There's so many. Um, uh, I mean, you give us more. I'll go, yeah, I'll go with, <laughs> no, I'll go with, yeah, I'll go with a couple of acts. So the first one, and probably the key word when we talk about mindset is awareness. So it's cultivating an awareness of why we act or think in a certain way. So basically being able to catch ourselves. Um, so we call it, like in our coaching, we call it bound nature. Bound nature is just any negative thought pattern or behavior pattern that any of us exhibit. And we all, um, you know, we all have them. But if you can catch yourself and, and if you can understand how your bound nature shows up, basically what they are and how they show up, then when they do, you can catch yourself and then start to change it. You know, an example of this, and it's, it's the move from kind of not knowing it's happening to being aware of it and practicing it to changing it to your default setting. So let's take um, road rage. You know, you're driving, someone cuts up, someone pulls in front of you, you get annoyed, you know, you shout, you swear, you react to it, and you, you've got no awareness. You just, you're just 
you get caught up in the emotions and the thoughts and, and that's just what happens. And then the next stage is someone cuts, cuts you up, you react in the same way, but you realize this isn't really how you want to act or who you want to be. You understand that this isn't helping you. You're like, you're the one who's paying the price for it. And so you want to change it. And so the next time that it happens, someone cuts you up and you still really want to hit the horn, swear and shout, but through force of will, you stop yourself from doing it. And over time, when this happens, you'll flick between these two stages. It's, it's called um, conscious incompetence and conscious competence. So you know it's happening. Sometimes you're able to catch yourself and act the way that you want, and sometimes you fail. But it's through this practice, you get better and better at catching yourself and not doing it. The more that you do that, and as you build consistency, what will happen is you'll get to the point where someone cuts you up and it's not even a thing. You don't even react. It's just become part of your default setting because you've acknowledged it and worked on changing it. You've now reset that behavior, how you react in that situation. Mm, and you can apply that to any area in your life. Um, mm. So it, any behavior pattern that you show or thought pattern, you know, let's say that your default and, and I know so many people who do this, let's, let's say when you go to take on a task, you kind of always say, ah, oh, this is probably, I'm probably going to fail at this, but you know, I'll give it, it's almost like giving yourself that excuse before you start, you know, you, you're at the climbing wall and you're going to do a climbing and you're like, mm. well, I'm probably going to fall off, but I'll, you know, let's see how far I get. Mm. You know, you basically set yourself failure all the time, but that's your default setting. And that's there for numerous reasons throughout yeah. your past. Whereas if you start catching yourself, when you start to say those words, if you're able to go, ah, right, I'm doing it again. I'm, I'm justifying my failure. I'm setting myself up for failure. Okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to think and we'll say it out loud. We'll say it internally. It's like, right, I'm gonna, I've got this. I'm going to get to the top. The more that you catch yourself and do that, you'll start rewiring your natural tendency to either believe that you're going to fail or pass. And so it's that consistent effort. So that's the first one is kind of just start being aware. It's, it's all about awareness of yourself rather than just going through your day and inhabiting the emotions, whatever it is, just start to bring some awareness to how you are. Easiest way to do that is journaling. Um, it's a really simple tool, often overlooked. And the, the way that we use it, most people do it as like kind of a diary that can be useful. But if you set yourself specific questions, it's a very easy way to start bringing awareness to yourself. So just literally pose yourself questions like, how do I see success? How do I view failure? Uh, you know, what do I think about my job? What do I think about, um, I'm losing, I can't come off the top of my head, but basically essentially anything, any question. And when you answer them, whatever comes up, when you begin to answer, keep asking yourself why. It's like, well, why do I think that? Why am I acting that way? And that's something that I do as a conscious habit. So when I feel myself, this is something anyone could do, strongly reacting to something. So if I start getting frustrated by something, start getting annoyed, whether that's a post on social media, having a conversation with a partner or a friend, if I start to get really annoyed or feel that, again, bad nature coming on. The first thing I ask myself is why? Like, why is this really annoying me? So like, why am I getting so frustrated? So like bring awareness 
to that feeling and try to look for the real reason. It's kind of the classic of um, your, your partner, your wife or husband asks you to tidy something up. And what they're asking is, can you tidy this up? What you hear is, you're saying I'm lazy. Well, you're saying I'm messy. It's not what, that's <laughs> yeah. why you get, and then you're yeah. acting in a negative way. So that's it's that's the a kind of point around. It's never usually the surface level thing. It's how we're seeing it that's the real cause of us getting frustrated. Mm. So the more you can bring awareness to it and then start to counter it, um, you'll start to see a benefit. A kind of more practical. Um, thing that you can do straight away to start changing how you feel on a daily basis is it's just how you start the day. Most people wake up and they're straight into their phone. The first thing they'll do is go on their phone and look at uh, social media, the news, email, whatever it is. At least it, the longer, the better. Aim for 60 minutes. But again, moving average, progress, not perfection. Even if it's 10 minutes, do that. The longer you can offset that period between waking up and looking at your phone, the better you'll be for the reason that when you dive straight into it, you basically, A, you're probably going to get triggered. Like if you see something in your email or your social media, in, in the world that we live in, it's very, it's going to be very hard not to get, you're going to see something that annoys you or you see a work um, project that's due or whatever. you like straight away, your brain's like, oh, I've got to do this. This is happening. Oh, why have they posted that? you're setting yourself up for failure really for the for the whole day um Mm. because you're not starting intentionally you're almost letting other people derail you straight off Um, Mm. there is also science behind it there's kind of four stages of brain waves that we go through from waking and essentially by diving straight into that you skip some okay but the core of it is it's just just that feeling if you do this you will feel a marked difference between waking up and looking at your phone or not and instead of doing that get some movement in, whether that's just, whether you go to an exercise, whether you just go for a short walk, if you can combine it with some natural light, great. If you if you aren't gonna do that or can't do that, then just be present in whatever you're doing. Be present in your morning routine. Just brush your teeth, be present with your family, be present making your breakfast. Just be present for like 30 minutes, 60 minutes before going into your phone, looking at work. With Because we live in a world where we do have easy, you know, phone screens all around us. Mm. We've, we've become very bad at having any time to kind of be present and be mm. just with ourselves. You look at anyone in a queue standing in the shops. The first thing they do is reach into their pocket and on their phone because they, they can't stand in a queue for two yeah. minutes. Yeah. That's a really good opportunity. The next, so another very easy practice. So we'll take this as number three. The next time you're in a queue or you have those couple of minutes, when you have that desire to reach the phone, stop yourself and just be just concentrate on your breathing. Just concentrate on breathing slowly and deeply in and out through your nose. Again, kind of progress versus perfection. We think that meditation, we need to sit in a quiet room, you know, cross-legged for 15 minutes. Standing for two minutes in a queue, you can meditate. This is achieving the same effect just be mm. present with your thoughts just mm. just be present with your surroundings that simple change will have massive repercussions it's kind of it sort of ties back into the moving average that's the small actions that you take on a daily basis that add up to have a massive effect on your life 
So if every time you've got a couple of minutes spare, you're still in a queue, rather than getting sucked into looking crap on your looking at crap on your phone, you're just present and you focus on your breathing. Imagine the cumulative effect, like over time, of, of what that that mm. does to you. Um, so yeah, there's kind of three very simple changes. Um, don't look at your phone first when you, when you wake up. Whenever you've got a few minutes free and you've got that urge to look at your phone, resist it and just be present. Focus on your breathing. And number three, start trying to really bring awareness to your actions. Be consciously aware of how you're acting rather than just living in the thought or the emotion um, or the behavior. Just start practicing stepping back and asking yourself, why am I thinking this? Why, why have I just said that? Why am I acting in this way? And really trying to be honest with yourself um, and look internally and then just start to gradually change it. That's brilliant. Um, Simon, thank you so much. It's been really interesting. And I think um, all of our listeners are going to benefit from listening to this podcast. Um, I certainly am. I was making a few notes. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, after this, I am going to go for um, a run. Um, <laughs> I wanted to go for an hour. I've got about 30 minutes and I wasn't going to go. So now I'm going to go and I'm going to do my moving average, yeah. my moving averagely very slow. Um, but yes, I am. I'm going to do that. Um, where can we find out more about you? What are your socials? Obviously, we'll post them in our show notes. But um, yeah, just tell us where, where, where we'd find you. Uh, so social media, it's The Natural Edge. Um, this uh, LinkedIn is under my name, Simon Jeffries. And then our website is thenaturaledge.com. Fantastic. Um, before I let you go, there's just um, three things I'd like to know from you, if that is okay. Um, the first one is, what was the last book you read? Uh, the last book I read was Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow. Um, is, is it Daniel Kaufman, I think, which is it's a very good book if you want to dig it in fact you know if you want a book on mindset to understand how pretty much we're driven by our subconscious biases and beliefs and not conscious actions um simplest summary of it is we all think we're the president in our heads when in actual fact we're more like the press secretary justifying and making excuses for the president's actions um that book gives a um yeah it breaks basically breaks down why that's happening um so yeah that was the last book yeah okay that's really interesting i'll probably make a note of that i'll get that um can you name just one of your favorite travel destinations greece um just it's just such a nice country um mm. lovely people nice climate i just got a really nice feel and culture um so yeah greece is definitely up there and yeah. canada i'll put up there as a yeah another one but okay. similar reasons. Nice. Uh, I, d I definitely agree with uh, Greece. I was in uh, Mykonos um, over the summer because I think I'm richer than I am, but it's actually, it's absolutely beautiful <laughs> there. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd certainly agree with, uh, with Greece. Um, and lastly, name one of your top 10 movies, Simon. All time best movie ever made. Last of the Mohicans. Just oh. Everything. Cinematography. The setting, the cat, just the best movie ever. Easy, easily. Wow, is that your number one? Is that is that a, a, that is a, my a static one number one that will never be knocked off? Yeah. Last wow. Of Mohicans, just the best movie. I like <laughs> that. A decisive, it is, it's de decisive, uh, decisive yeah. uh, answer. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Excellent. Simon, thank you so much. It's great to see you again. It's um, been too long, but um, yeah, um, thank you so much for, for taking your time to speak with us today. Thank you for having me on. If you've enjoyed this episode of the World Extreme Medicine podcast, please subscribe, like and share. And if you want to meet lots of other risk-taking, rule-bending and inspirational people, then you need to be in Edinburgh on the 19th to the 21st of November for this year's conference. Tickets are on sale now. Go to extrememedicineexpo.com to find out more.